0: Ta-da. Hi, I'm Ramneek Johal. And I'm Carol Eugene Park. This is Decomplicated. Hi, Carol. What's up? Oh, that was different. I liked it. I'm trying to switch it up today, you know? Love to see it. Thank you for your support, as always, on this fine morning. Um, Ramneek, did you know? No. I am censored. On TikTok mainly. You're censored. Can you please elaborate what that's supposed to mean? My people and my gender. It's a bad word. When you try to say Asian women and you have the caption on in the TikTok app feature, there are asterisks. uh, And it does not show Asian women as a word, two words on the app. Wait, so why?
1: First of all, why? How did you discover this? And why is, why are Asian women censored on TikTok?
0: So I was on TikTok one day as I normally am. And I follow um, this one uh, social justice oriented person. And um, they were saying like, oh, look, look at this interesting um, feature. And they were just like listing off like, you know, black men, black women, white men, white women, Asian men. And they had the, the caption feature on. And as soon as they said Asian women, unlike the other words that were just showing up on the screen, there was A and then asterisk asterisk, uh, W, asterisk asterisk asterisk. Um, And that started a whole thing. And we're like, oh, like, why is why is this being censored? And around this time was when there was that um, hate crime uh, in Georgia, uh, the spa shooting, and um, people were. There was nothing confirmed, but a lot of people were talking about how this kind of weird blip just kind of amplifies the Asian fetishization and white supremacy and, um, again, blames uh, Asian women for being targeted for hate crimes and misogyny and um, over uh, hypersexualization and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's where we are. Uh, yeah. Asian women. I don't like that at all. And I stop singing
1: when I get uncomfortable, but that makes me really, really mad. And this isn't the first time that TikTok has come under fire for censorship or Other social media sites as well. But I remember when um, and I think we were talking about this, how when black creators were being uh, shadow banned on TikTok and it actually wasn't until I feel like last year in June when everybody was talking about Black Lives Matter that. TikTok actually put out a statement about this, about the shadow banning of black creators and why their content was not receiving the same amount of views or interactions as similar content, sometimes knocked off content by white creators, if we're going to be completely 100 percent honest here, um, was getting more views and and more interactions. And so TikTok came out and said, no, we're not censoring, we're not um, shadow banning, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like it's really Interesting, the things that end up getting impacted by this kind of stuff, and then the other things that just continue to just operate. And it's like, there's some weird stuff on TikTok. There's some hateful stuff on TikTok. Why does that not get shadow banned?
0: Yeah, I mean, like the shadow banning itself is super um, weird, but I think also what the strategy a lot of um i don't know if necessarily this was on the part of the black creators but a lot of white creators were offering their accounts to black creators if they wanted to have whatever content um shared because their account was shadow banned and i thought that was also interesting because it's like yes like on one hand these creators acknowledge that there is a um, privileged aspect to this app but also it was kind of weird because I was like it kind of felt like white saviory in a way you know like I don't know if you're like picking up what I'm putting down I'm but pi- I'm picking up I'm picking up what you're putting down yeah like it was a weird like double-edged sword for me I don't know if I'm just like overreading it but that was the vibe that I got take that for what you will so this is all to say this isn't a new phenomenon this isn't a
1: new thing where particularly racialized people find themselves at the mercy of social media companies algorithms. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about social media censorship, uh, particularly in the context of Instagram and Facebook. But TikTok obviously is one of the apps that is very much uh, falling under the same umbrella. Hashtag thriving, apparently. So, The reason we're having this conversation is both Instagram and Twitter uh, just a few weeks ago were blaming technological glitches for removing posts related to the eviction of Palestinians from East Jerusalem. And they also removed many stories using the hashtag MMIWG hashtag on May 5th, which is the day of awareness of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls, um, also known as Red Dress Day. So a lot of Instagram users in both contexts contexts reported that their stories were being um, either taken down or their accounts were being kind of shadow banned, similar to what happens on TikTok. And the same thing also happened in the context of uh, protests that are going on in Colombia. And so people were using social media to spread the message and found that uh, their posts were being taken down. So I guess, Carol, what's kind of like the thread that I feel like runs similar between all of these kind of
0: examples that we're talking about of like, why does this stuff keep getting taken down? Or- I don't know if this answers your question directly, but I think, um, this, all of these, like, they're not isolated, um, experiences or, or, or moments, but I think that this really shows that technology is not neutral. It is not anti-racist. And, um, basically it's another tool for white supremacy to thrive. And I know I say that often, but I think the fact that certain people are being censored, especially on Instagram and and Facebook, certain words are being censored, like white people is not censored. The underlying theme here is that technology, it's a tool that will keep maintaining their power and it will continue to suppress marginalized groups of people.
1: Period. I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think That's the the similarity that I see um, with so many of these. It's like, why are marginalized groups that are quite literally using social media as their only way to get their stories heard or to share about things that are happening to their communities or the ways that they're being oppressed in real time and the ways that their communities are suffering? Why are they at the mercy of these algorithms and why do they have to come up with all of these creative ways just to get their cries for help heard like that? It boggles my mind. Meanwhile, like racists can use the platforms to spread their you know, ideas and racist thoughts and, and bigoted ideas unfiltered. Like it's, it's, it doesn't make sense to me, but it's like this, like you said, is the way that these platforms were designed. Um, I wanted to read a few other examples of things that I've seen that were censored on um, Instagram and sometimes on Twitter as well. Um, in, in March, there was a trans model, Jude Guatemaque, who posted on Trans Day of Visibility, um, a picture of themselves. And it was removed for violating Instagram's guidelines around sexual activity. Um, but this a similar picture of Adam Levine went uh, viral on the app and wasn't removed. And so just the way the bodies are policed, whose bodies are policed, usually, um, you know, white, straight, cis men can post whatever they want and not get censored. But God forbid, you know, um, anybody else posts something that's even slightly sexual or provocative, it's going to get taken down. And then also uh, to add on to that, um, the World Sick Organization spoke out uh, last year after Instagram and Facebook censored sick content uh, about the sick genocide on their platforms uh, by deleting pages and restricting user activity. And then in June of last year, and I'm sure dozens of times since then, um, Instagram blocked a number of posts with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Um, and in in response, similar to what they did with um, Palestine, Colombia and MMIWG, Instagram blames... Ha- anti-spam technology. But it's like, how does anti-spam technology only detect and suppress marginalized people? Like, where is the anti-spam technology when like thousands of white dudes are talking about going to the Capitol? Like, I just don't understand. Make it make sense.
0: That reminds me of um, a CBC article that I read um, a few weeks ago called AI Has a Racism Problem. And in it, Mittal Nakande said in a quote, what it tells us is AI research, development, and production is really driven by people that are blind to the impact that race and racism has on shaping not just technological processes, but our lives in general. And I feel like that pretty much sums up the whys and the lack of clarity in, in what's being pushed out on the algorithms and, and what's not. Were you able to like find any... like? Companies who were actually able to own up to the fact that there were censorships or were there most like mostly like, oh, sorry, it was just a glitch.
1: Well, that's actually basically what they said. So Facebook said that because Facebook owns Instagram, um, that it's a widespread global technical issue and not related to any particular topic and that we're fixing it right now Um, and then they also said that they were sorry to those impacted especially those raising awareness for important causes globally which is like okay yes so you've acknowledged that people are trying to raise awareness for important causes globally and that Sure. Let's even if I entertain your idea that maybe it was a technical issue, what are you doing to remedy this? Like, what are you doing to make sure that this doesn't happen again? Because you have a pattern of doing this to people who are quite literally trying to advocate for their rights and their livelihood. So it's like, fine, you've you've acknowledged there's a problem, but you haven't acknowledged the biases that are literally written into the code and the algorithm that governs all of these social media apps. And also, how are you addressing the biases that the people who are responsible for these organizations, looking at you, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, Ooh. how are you addressing their biases and how they, you know, control and regulate these platforms? And it's like they're not because they don't care. The research has shown um, that oftentimes Facebook and other algorithms often work to amplify and um lift up alt-right voices and allow them to thrive on their platforms and it's like
0: how does that happen that's that's a great that's a great question um i'm just still like my brain is still on the on facebook's apology where it's like i'm really sorry it's impacting or the way it's impacted some groups. It's like, why are you, why are your apologies so half-assed? Okay, so I think we've kind of alluded to this very uh, very briefly here, but just uh, to make sure that we're all on the same page, what Remnik in the world is technological racism? Break it down for me.
1: So technological or algorithmic racism kind of talks about the ways that racism is quite literally embedded by design in a lot of the technologies that we use, including social media. Um, And so it it refers to those kind of like small kind of microaggressions or behaviors that might seem like they were unintended consequences of the design. This idea that technology is neutral or technology is objective doesn't allow us to understand or doesn't allow us to recognize the fact that it's designed by people people and people are the ones that write code. People are the ones that design these platforms. People are the ones who design the way that they want to govern these social media platforms and what their policies will say and what will get taken down and what will be allowed to stay up or, you know, what kind of things are going to be taken down for hate speech, which are or what's considered a legitimate political expression. So it's it's a bias that obscures the fact that it's a bias and says that, oh, it's just technology. It's not intentional. It's a technological glitch. But it's like, no, technology is absolutely not neutral. And I want to read um, a quote from Uh, Ritz Irumi of the Ford who wrote for the Ford Foundation saying that, quote, the outcomes of a given technology differ for various groups of people. The spectrum of winners and losers seem to make the political dimensions of technology more explicit, end quote. And so the cost of losing um, in this kind of if we say that there are winners and losers in a different technology is that some groups are going to lose so much more than others because they have so much more to lose. It's like, okay, I'm sorry that your racist Confederate flag post got taken down on Facebook, but you're not losing that much, you racist person. But if somebody in Palestine is literally trying to raise awareness for being evicted from their home or if somebody in Colombia is quite literally trying to and is in a revolution and is being threatened by police violence and posting on their stories is the only thing they can think of or the only thing they can do. Them having that taken away from them costs so much more than a racist not being allowed to be racist.
0: Facts point blank period. Mic drop printer, no facts. <laughs> oh
1: my God.
0: <laughs> um, and I think this is a good way to kind of um, conclude our conversation here, which is the one part of us wanting to talk about this is because tomorrow, tomorrow, we will be diving head on into the ways in which Canadian media has um, stifled Palestinians who are talking about what's been happening to them. And like you said, I think it,
1: it there's such a a bigger conversation about how media and technology and social media all kind of sometimes work together to maintain the status quo or the dominant narrative. And so if, um, if people aren't given a platform, uh, like you said, uh, then the the status quo just remains. And that again, continues to work in favor of the already very powerful people who run these companies and have billions of dollars. So Um, Yeah, tomorrow's conversation is going to be really, really interesting because it's going to tackle just that, the ways that some people may have to censor themselves um, and some people are censored uh, for simply trying to speak about a matter that, again, pertains to their livelihood just because so many people are too scared to um, disrupt the status quo uh, because they have so much to lose if the status quo gets disrupted.
0: Mm -hmm. Or even just face the consequences from their management at work or whatever, because that's something that we've been seeing a lot too. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thank you, Ramneek, for um, giving us a breakdown on that. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts? Uh, My last thoughts are, Mark Zuckerberg, figure your stuff out. And
1: any other, you know, tech bro who's like, I'm going to start an app. I'm going to start an app and I'm going to like, it's going to be so cool. Okay, great. That's freaking great. But maybe you should take, you know, all of these different factors into account, who has the ability to lose as a result of your technology and what are you doing to mitigate that? What are you doing to mitigate the negative effects? Because every technology has positives and negatives. That's just life. No tool is always going to be 100% positive. That's just how things work. It's how people use them and how they design them. But how are we going to mitigate harm on these platforms? And how are we going to ensure an equitable space so that people aren't um,
0: tasked with losing so much as a result of it? I do want to add uh, Mm -hmm. before Ramnik ends with a powerful quote from one of our beloved authors. Um, Censorship is not new. It's always been around. But the difference here is that technology, or at least the internet, was marketed as an objective, neutral space. And that's what we're critiquing. We're not saying that this is, you know, we have to figure out a new way out. In fact, we probably won't have a clear way of solving this issue. But we are just saying that When it comes to the Internet culture, we have to acknowledge that that there are um, systemic issues built into it. Like I said, if you're a tech person who's
1: doing tech things, just take all of this into account. Maybe you can use your power for good. Okay. Um, I would like to end with a quote from Arundhati Roy uh, that I think really sums up this entire conversation, why we care about censorship on social media and why it matters. So, quote, there's really no such thing as the voiceless. There are only the deliberately silenced or the preferably unheard. End quote.
0: Printer no facts.
1: <laughs> you've said that like forty-four times.
0: No, I only said that twice. <laughs> in
1: life, I mean you've said oh, that. To in me life, yes.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Mic drop.
1: Welcome back to What the Fork. I was gonna sing this, but Carol is the singer of the duo and I don't want to subject you to that because we're already about to tell you things that are going to make you go WTF. So this is a segment where Carol and I tell you about things that are making us go WTF or what the fork. So without further ado, Carol,
0: let me know what's making you go WTF today. My WTF is about the super moon this May month, aka actually called the super flower blood moon, uh, in the lunar eclipse uh, that happened this morning um, at like 4 a.m. or something crazy like that. So this just means that somewhere in the lining of the stars, uh, we have entered Sagittarius. The moon has. I haven't, but the moon has. Which is all to say that. Some people are thriving, but most people are in their fields. And since we're talking about people who believe in astrology uh, more than me, because I do, I do believe in it to, to some extent, and people who are really in their fields right now, Ramnique Joe Hall. <laughs> How are you feeling today?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so, okay. for context, for those who may not know, full moons, any full moon is it's very draining. I mean, as you know, like there's all those theories about like werewolves, like howling at the moon and like people acting erratic uh, during this time. So there's that. But it's also very draining, like physically tiring, but emotionally draining. Um, Oftentimes full moons are about release. So you have to think about things that maybe you have previously Suppressed, But then there's also a lunar eclipse. And so I looked this up. This is not me just being a great uh, witch or something, but um, the eclipse is asking us for reflection and grounding. And so you kind of have to confront some things and confront yourself and be honest with yourself, which I, for one, am not ready to do um, so. It's gonna be a long, exhausting day, but uh, it's okay. We're gonna figure it out.
0: I am glad. And if you're wondering, um, who does this uh, super flower blued, blued blood, blood moon lunar eclipse affect the most? It is those um, whose personal planets. Um, fall in Sagittarius so if you're like sun sign moon sign whatever but also if your rising sign is in Gemini Virgo or Pisces you will feel some top away um for me those are none of my signs so I am just tired I'm not feeling anything because of Sagittarius or the full moon or the lunar eclipse but you know I, I, I do have sympathy for everyone else feeling this way, but I will say there are so many different moons and I just want to read a tweet from Elamine from Buzzfeed, uh, also the host of like party, uh, party, party lines and pop chat. He tweeted, um, <laughs> it's just so funny. He tweeted, look, No shade to the moon, but how do we keep finding new rare moons? Like yesterday is a super flower blood moon. Tomorrow is a super Nintendo orange moon. Next week, it's a Tom Waits Grapefruit moon. And when I was little, we just called it the moon is doing a thing. Come look. (laughs) And I just feel that just truly encompasses how I feel about all of these moons. You know, if you believe it, you believe it. If you don't, you don't. Um, But... At least it's the moon. She's there and we are all astrologically aware. Okay, I've had enough of the moon. Okay. Okay, <laughs> she's done. All right, Remnik what's your, uh, what the fork number two? Wow, she's in a mood. Uh. <laughs> I'm sick of the mood right now. Okay, so my,
1: mine, and I learned a fun word. Uh, so this is, shout out to our producer, Brela, Miss Brela Kwan. Um, she Told us everything we we know. Simply, she she raised raised us about this topic, and just in general, she's the reason decomplicated doesn't fall apart most of the time. It's true. She told us about the peed, which is a fun, I guess, short abbreviation that apparently only insiders uh, from Berta use to talk about the Calgary Stampede, which is trending on social media because it is planned to come back dependent on public health restrictions this July. So 2021, Ooh. which is like about a month and a half away. I'm pretty sure July is like not that far away. Yeehaw. And yeehaw, but also WTF, because we are still in a panoramic. Um, so we asked Brayla, uh what her thoughts were on... The peed coming back. Because we have we've never been there. Oh, no, And yeah, we have never been there. We are not Berta boys. Um, But but she is. And so she told us, you know, families go for the rides and there's concerts and there's food. Um There's also like clubs and they have like parties and tents, not like not camping tents, like wedding but like tents
0: big kind of yeah thing.
1: Mm-hmm. And like their outdoor tents where people go and, and drink. And she told she once waited in line for for three hours to get into one of these tents. Um, and she said it did not live up to her expectations. In fact, it was uh, the opposite. Uh, it, she did not enjoy herself. Um, and she said, <laughs> we asked what her thoughts are on uh, the peed coming back and just the peed in general. And she says, quote, it is disgusting, end quote. Carol, what are your thoughts on this coming back and also Brayla's uh, glowing review?
0: Um, well, you know, I'm not super surprised knowing uh, Brayla's distaste for um, rowdy men um, who have no boundaries. Because apparently as the week or as the days go on throughout the PED, um, men get drunker and they get a more handsy. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I'm not super surprised by that, but that itself, I'm just like, I'm good. But also I learned um, from, from Brela that people actually line dance.
1: See, how does that look in a panoramic? Like if there's already people who are rowdy and touchy and line dancey, what is, how are we going to mitigate that in a panoramic? We're not. So it's like, why are we going to allow this to come back? I don't know. And
0: just the thought of having to, no offense to people who love cowboy attire, but... I just, I can't, I can't wear the the boots and I can't, I can't do the belt and I, and I can't, I can't do the yeehaw, you know, like I'm not a yeehaw girl. Your boots were simply not made for walking is what you're saying. I flip my hat to you. I, I can see, I don't, Is that a thing? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what, how cowboys would like say like, you know. Bro, bro I'm from
1: Surrey. I'm the last person who knows <laughs> anything about any cowboy related stuff. Let me tell you that much. Well, I mean, okay.
0: I know it. I know, um. I, I do know some people who really enjoy the, the peed, um, but I, I think I'm, I'm good. Same.
1: But honestly, whoever does go, just be safe and follow public health guidelines and don't be disgusting. That's our two cents on it. But we simply are not going to be coming. But
0: um, WTF. WTF. And kind of on the same thread uh, of, of the kind of rowdiness and group gatherings, my last or the last WTF, What the Fork, is there was a survey that was conducted uh, with uh, the Association of Canadian Studies. uh, And in this study, they surveyed 1,600-ish Canadians um, between May 21st and 23rd to kind of just see how everyone was with the pandemic ending and, and all that stuff. And more than half of Canadians who were surveyed Feel anxious about going back to the way life was before. The pandemic, the panorama, the Papa John's. And this number was highest with those, I guess, in the zillennial age range, like 18 to 24. Um, They were, they were very uneasy. And I'm not going to lie. I feel you. Because I, when with the BC reopening um, plan that has now, is now effective, Um, or has been effective for the past 24 hours. Um, I'm truly scared by this idea of like, now we can have five people or up to one household indoors, no mask. Like now what do I do? Like, am I supposed to say hello? Do I bow to you? Do I hug you? Like, do I high five you? Like, how do I say hello? And then what's worse? Like when I invite you inside, like, am I supposed to give you water? Like, do do I ask you how you've been when we all been doing the same thing? Like, I don't know. And then what's worse? Dating. Am I supposed to date now again? Am I supposed to like, you know, give guys my number and like smile at them? I just, this whole reopening is just truly giving me a lot of anxiety and I would prefer to be a hermit and not go anywhere. You know, the most social interaction I get is with my Cairo and my physiotherapist, and they are very socially aware of who I am. And so they just acknowledge that I'm weird. But most people, they don't know that. So I'm just very nervous. Can you tell I'm nervous? Yes, I can tell you're nervous. But I,
1: for one, feel the same. And I will simply be not letting people touch me still um, and still not still not giving my numbers to men um, and still not gathering uh, with large groups of people because they said that banquet halls are going to be opening and listen I I've been dying to go to an Indian wedding for the last t- almost two years but not yet I can wait a little bit longer because Rona is still around baby so we gotta be cautious and hang out a little bit more so no it's a no for me Um, I will simply not be uh hugging uh people Um, but just I just there's no interest for me still so I will be wearing a mask and I still would like you to stay away from me not you, Carol. Oh, everybody I was else. Just,
0: I was about to get very offended there. <laughs> no, everybody else. Uh, just in general. But all right, cool. We're Yay. on the same page. Yay! <laughs> wonderful. Um, with that being said, thank you so much. Uh, for this wonderful WTF. What the fork? Um, Joe Hall, Any last words before we say goodbye?
1: The moon is messing with my chakras. I don't want to talk anymore. The
0: chakra lining is no longer aligned, as they say. That's really all I say.
1: That's not even a thing. That's not even a thing. What?
0: It's a thing because Carol science. Um, Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Decomplicated. And we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.
1: This episode was produced by Rameek Johal, Carol Eugene Park, and Brayla Kwan. Decomplicated is a product of Overstory Media Group. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Decomplicated.